Good morning, everyone. A little audience participation to start out the lesson this morning. If you've ever worked in customer service, raise your hand. That's a good number of you. I, I wouldn't be dogmatic about it, but I think that every person in their life at some point should have to work in customer service. And anyone who works in customer service is shaking their head right now. And you totally understand why that is. Because serving people is not only incredibly challenging, because people are very hard to please, but serving people, customer service, is incredibly rewarding. And it can be some of the, the greatest times you have on the job to be serving someone, brightening someone's day, making their life just a little bit better. In my own life, looking back, uh, some of you will know that I used to work at Starbucks. So I would wake up at the crack of dawn, and I would go sling lattes for tired masses every morning. And there are sometimes no fussier kinds of people than people who haven't yet had their coffee. And so I would get to know people. I'd, I'd try to remember their names. I'd try to remember their drink orders. And I'd, I'd attempt at, at my very best to get them their coffee before they even paid in the morning, get them in and out quickly. And I, and I love that job. I thought it was, it was really rewarding, although it was incredibly stressful and challenging at times. When we think about service and customer service and serving people, we really start to think about what that means spiritually. And this year, just to kind of tip my hand a little bit, I've been thinking a lot about discipleship. Because last year what we did was we spent the entire year thinking about Jesus. Remember that as part of our goals. We had a reading program in which we read through the New Testament. And once a quarter we got into the Gospels. and We learned about Jesus. We learned about how he handled situations in his life, what he did, how he spoke to people, how he showed others kindness, how he took a stand for the truth. And now, kind of at the end of all of that, the culmination of all of those things, thinking about, what does that mean for me? What do I now need to do with this information? What do I need to do going forward in my life? Last month, we talked about commitment or dedication, looking at a sort of a obscure verse in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 20, in which Isaiah was called, as you'll remember, to preach naked and barefoot for three years. And we talked about what it means to be dedicated to the Lord, how we need to count the cost, how we need to, to really get out there and establish our priorities and be available to others and, and live in this world in a way that shows God we're, we're his, we're, we're dedicated to him, whatever he says goes. And in a continuation of that lesson, sort of, I want to talk this morning about servanthood and what it means as a disciple of Jesus to be a servant. And I figured we might as well just stick around in the book of Isaiah. So if you're in the book of Isaiah, please with me in chapter 49. We're going we're gonna to spend most of our time in the book of Isaiah because while it's not an obscure set of passages, you, if you have read through the book of Isaiah, at, at least at all, you probably know of the servant songs. There are four songs in the book of Isaiah that are servant songs, and really, they are messianic in their nature. They are pointing us to Jesus as the suffering servant. And so we're going to be in Isaiah, but really we're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be talking about what it means to be a servant 
like Jesus was a servant. But we'll be back here in the book of Isaiah. They have said that Isaiah is the fifth gospel. Now, again, I wouldn't be dogmatic about calling Isaiah the fifth gospel, but if you go into the, the gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as Isaiah the prophet said, and Mark immediately launches in to quoting Isaiah. And there he's talking about John the Baptist, but Isaiah is really just full of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the way back here, years and years, hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. And so if you're here with me in, in Isaiah chapter 49, this is the second of the servant songs. There's one in chapter 42, which we'll cover a little bit. There's one here in chapter 49. There's one in chapter 50. And then there's one in chapters 52 through 53. So there's four songs. This is the second one in verse 5. Let's begin reading here. The words of the servant says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. You can almost hear Jesus saying those words, can't you? In the next verse, he says, and this is speaking about the Lord God, what, what he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And that is what God had in mind for Jesus. Not only that Jesus would save the Jews, but that he would save all nations. But notice what he calls him here. He calls him my servant. And this language, this, this phrase is used throughout these servant songs, my servant. And so that's the title of the lesson this morning. And really, if Jesus was called God's servant, if God could call Jesus my servant, can he call you my servant? Can he call me my servant? And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the Lord God looking at me and the way that I've lived my life, the way that I have laid down everything and been dedicated and committed to him. I want to hear at that judgment day, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be owned by my master as his servant. And so let's, let's look through these servant songs and we'll see a little bit about what Jesus exemplified in his life as the suffering servant and maybe some lessons that we can learn for our own lives. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 50, and they'll be on the board, but if you want to turn and look at maybe some of the context here, Isaiah chapter 50, we'll get into our first point here. Beginning in verse 6, the servant says, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. The servant understands that, that the world does not appreciate his message. They're spitting at him. They're disgracing him. But he sees something more clear. He sees something more true than what the, the world is reacting to him with. He sees that the Lord God helps him. 
Therefore, he's not been disgraced. And what I think we need to ask ourselves in, in thinking about verses like this as the servant, do you see service clearly? Do you see service clearly? Because on the surface, if you look at this servant song, the servant might become discouraged and throw up his hands and say, this isn't worth it. People hate me. They're spitting at me. They don't appreciate me. But when the servant sees clearly that the Lord God is with him, therefore I will not be disgraced, it changes our viewpoint. It changes our perspective on suffering. It changes our perspective on our service. And that is exactly what Jesus talked to his disciples about in Mark chapter 10. Really, Mark chapters 8 all the way through Mark chapter 10. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see clearly the service that he wants them to, to give to their master. He says they need to carry their cross in Mark chapter 8. And here in Mark chapter 10, he says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, therefore, if you want to be first of all, you need to be the slave. And if you want to be the greatest, you need to be a servant of all. Jesus is telling us very clearly here that that we need to see what true service looks like. And we can see that in his own life, can't we? Jesus didn't come here demanding that everybody bow down to him, although he absolutely could have. Jesus was, was rejected. He was despised. And as we read here in Isaiah 50, he was spit at, and he was beaten and struck. Yet, he understood that that he hadn't lost. And we need to see that too. We really need to see that. We need to get a perspective that as Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, that when, we, when we're struck in the cheek, we give our other cheek also. When somebody demands of us to go one mile, where do we go? We go two miles. When somebody wants to take something from us, like our coat, we give them our, the shirt off our back as well. We, we give them everything we have. As servants of the Lord, it looks like we may be a doormat. And you may feel like a doormat some days. You may feel taken advantage of. You may feel like, like people don't appreciate you. But think back to Jesus. And think back to his teaching and his words. And as the suffering servant, he realized that, yes, I'm going through a lot right now. But the Lord God hasn't left me. And I will not be disgraced. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, basically that I've died. I've died. And now I live for Christ. I have, I have crucified myself. I have been crucified on the cross with Jesus. And therefore, it is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about us anymore. As servants of Jesus, as disciples, it's not about us. It's about the master. It's always about the master. And though people reject us, though people hate us, they mock us, they, they think terrible things about us, well, they did it to Jesus, so they're going to do it to us too. So let's be ready for that. Let's see service clearly. And maybe a reflective question, something we can ask ourselves, thinking about seeing our service clearly. How could Jesus' perspective change how I view my current challenges? 
whatever you're going through this week, how could Jesus' perspective help you see those challenges in a different way? If Jesus were there standing beside you, and he were there to give you advice and to counsel you about the specific challenges you are dealing with this upcoming week, what would he say? Would he help you see that my power is made perfect in weakness like he did with Paul? Would he help you to see that, that they did this to me, so don't be surprised they're doing it to you? Jesus' perspective is, is the perspective that we need to adopt in our lives. And as servants, we should expect no better treatment than our master who served his God with everything he had and went to the cross for it. So it's just some things to think about here as we talk about service, especially from the suffering servant here in Isaiah. If we want to be called the Lord's servants, we need to see, see that service very, very clearly and understand what God expects of us. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging, but God is always with us if we stick close to him. So let's continue on here, and let's look back up here in Isaiah chapter 50 in verse 4. The second point. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite sections here. He's given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear, to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. What we see here is that Jesus was a learner. Jesus learned what God wanted him to do. He had the tongue of one who is taught. The Lord God gave him that tongue. The Lord God taught him how to live. He taught him how to listen. He says, I open my ear. He awakens my ear. I opened my ear in verse 5, and I was not rebellious, and I did not turn backward. What we see in Jesus as a servant and what we need to see in our own service, do you live with humility? Do you understand that you are not the pinnacle? You are not the center of your story. You are not the hero of your life. And that's an easy Thing to fall into. That's an easy trap for us to fall into. I'm the center of my story. I am the most important one that there is. That's pride creeping in. And even Jesus was able to say, it's not about me. This is all about God. And as he calls us to serve like him, that's exactly what we're expected to do too. To humble ourselves, to lower ourselves, and realize that it's all about Jesus. And it's all about God. God is the center of our story. God and Jesus Christ, his son, is the hero of our story. And we follow him. John 13, you can't think about humility and Jesus without thinking about him getting on his knees, wrapping a towel around his waist, and washing his disciples' dirty, stinky feet. That's what he did. And he changed their lives with that. He changed their lives with that. And one thing that I want to pull out from that story and, and thinking about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, I think sometimes we make service to others really complicated. I think we make it too complicated. Like, 
you have to make this big production and you have to have this big show and you have to have you know, the fireworks and the, the laser beams and all the amazing things that just make this the most amazing act of service. That, that's kind of limiting if you don't have the resources to do those kinds of things, isn't it? But what did Jesus use? He used a towel and a tub of water to change his disciples' lives. What is your tub of water? What is your towel that you can use to serve someone. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be overly extravagant and elaborate. It just needs to be simple and some small, simple way that you can serve others. There is sort of a, a pitfall, or maybe think about it like a bear trap, on the pathway of service to the Lord. Because it is easy for us to get that feeling that I'm doing well, I'm making progress, I'm improving. And, and, and if you have a growth mindset, if you have a mindset that you want to get better, you want to improve, you want to become a better servant tomorrow than you were today, sometimes you look at your life, and, and I do this from time to time, I look at my life and say, I'm doing pretty good. Things are going well. And that's important for us to acknowledge, but it can also become a dangerous thing because you can start to think that you're doing very well. And pride can creep in. You can start to develop a sense that it's all about you and not about the master. And so we need to understand Jesus' words in Luke 17. Uh, Brother Frausto preached about this last time he preached. And it's just a, a great reminder for us all that no matter what, we're just servants. We're unworthy servants. Doing what was our duty to do. None of us can raise our hands and say, I'm doing great work right now because it's all about the work that Jesus has given us to do. It's all about the work that God wants us to do in following him. And so living with humility before our God and before others, we need to say it's not about us. And you could very easily get into the situation like Nebuchadnezzar was in in Daniel chapter 4 as he stood up on his roof and he looked around and said, look at all the great things I've done. Look at all the accomplishments I've made. And what does God do? All right, I'll show you what I'm all about and he made him eat grass like a cow for a while. And fortunately, Nebuchadnezzar was given the opportunity to come to his senses, and once he finally got up and came back and put his clothes back on, he realized the Lord God is the one who this is all about. At the end of Daniel chapter 4, there's a great song of praise to God from Nebuchadnezzar who has been humble. And if you want to live in pride, if you want to think you've accomplished a lot, then go right ahead, but God will humble you someday. And I don't want to see that for you. I don't want to see that for me. I want, to, I want to live humbly before my God now and be a servant of his now in a way that he would call, call me my servant. So let's move on to, a, to another of Isaiah's servant songs. Let's go to chapter 53 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 4. So we need to live with this understanding of our job, seeing clearly what a servant is about. We need to live with humility. Let's continue on. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Well, before we do that, I'll just ask this question. What might Satan use to try to stir pride in me? Satan's got a lot of tricks. And he can hook you in all kinds of different ways, can't he? And he stirs pride in us in a lot of different ways. And so think about that for yourself. How does, 
How does Satan trick you or trap you with pride? Okay, now let's move on. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This entire servant song you've read before, and it's all about Jesus' suffering. That's why we call him the suffering servant. Jesus suffered in so many ways for us, emotionally, physically, absolutely. He suffered for us, and, and it leads me to ask the question, do I love sacrificially? Does my love lead me to give up myself for other people? Because Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. His love was not just a love in word only. It wasn't about empty platitudes. You know what that's all about if you've ever... If you've ever told somebody that you love them, and then when it came time to take out the trash, you were like, no, I'm good, thanks. I, don't, I, won't, I won't say that I've, I've not done that, because I definitely have. You can tell somebody you love them all day long, right? But do they ever know it until you show it? Do they ever really believe it until you show it? Jesus didn't just tell us he loved us. He went to the cross to demonstrate it. And John, in 1 John chapter 3, basically makes the connection that if he laid down his life for you, you ought to be willing to lay down your life for each other, for the brethren. And don't just love in word and in talk, but in deed and in truth. Show people that you love them. And that's all about agape love. If you study agape love at all, you, you understand very quickly that it's about a self-sacrificial love. It's not just slapping somebody on the back and saying, you're my brother. It's saying, I'm going to die for you. That's the kind of love that a servant has. And we, in our, in our series of classes about the qualities of love years ago, we talked a lot about this. From 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, you can, you can sacrifice a lot for people. You can do a whole lot for people. You can bend over backwards. You can give up all of your money. You can give up all of your time and attention and resources but are you doing it because you love people? Are you doing it because you really care about people? Because it really is a challenge to overcome that sense of being seen by people and being acknowledged for your service and getting that pat on the back for all the good things that you've done. We have a lot of visible public servants here in this place. We've got a located preacher. We have people who lead singing. We have deacons. We have elders. We have all kinds of people, our Bible class teachers, who serve in a lot of different ways. And your name may never be mentioned from one of these two microphones. But if you're serving in this place, even behind the scenes, you are doing your job for the Lord. And nobody ever may know the way that you serve this congregation. Nobody ever may know the way that you lay down your life for other people here. But God knows. And God sees. And so understand that if you are doing your service for the Lord out of love, he is pleased by that. 
He is happy with that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47 may be some of the most challenging words from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for me and maybe for you too. It's easy to love those who love me, isn't it? It's easy to show courtesy and respect and love and give myself and sacrifice myself for people who say good things about me, for people who appreciate me. But if I love those who love me, what what better am I doing than the Gentiles, Jesus says? I need to love even my enemies. I need to love those who hate me. And love not just in word, but in deed and in truth, in action, demonstrating my love for people who don't appreciate me, who I don't agree with or who don't agree with me. Isn't that what Jesus did for you? Were you a friend of God's before Jesus came to the cross and died there for you? No, you were an enemy of God because all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory and we all stood opposed to God in the moment where Jesus gave his life for us. And if he was willing to do that for his enemies, what more should we be willing to do for ours? So do you love sacrificially? As a servant of the Lord, love should just be at the core of who we are, but not only for those who love us, also for those who hate us. And so maybe a good question to ask. What does it look like for me to lay down my life for others in my day-to-day choices? Now, laying down our lives for each other, as John talks about in 1 John 3, I really honestly believe that is hyperbolic in a lot of ways because none of us here have ever died for anyone. Think about that. None of you have ever died for someone. But what does it mean to lay down my life for someone in my day-to-day choices? What does that look like? What, is that, what does that functionally look like on Monday, Tuesday, what, you know, throughout the week? What does that look like? How can I lay down my life for other people? And there are a lot of ways that that makes sense for you in the context of your life and the people that you deal with. And it may be very different for me in the context of my life and the people that I deal with. But think about it for yourself personally. How can I lay down my life for people this week? How can I serve people? How can I show them that I love them? It's not about, it's not about getting the pat on the back for, for those great deeds that you're doing or for those sacrificial deeds that you're doing in that service. It's about doing what was your duty, because God has called us to serve, and Jesus has shown us the perfect example of the suffering servant to love others. And so let's conclude this by going back to the first servant song in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. So we need to see clearly, we need to have humility, we need to sacrificially love each other. And then in Isaiah 42 we see a fourth thing that we need to think about in our service to our community. Isaiah 42, verse 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And isn't that what we see with Jesus? Now, sure, he entered the temple with a whip. <laughs> that, was, that, that sounds pretty aggressive, right? But how did he approach the Samaritan woman? How did he approach the adulterous woman? How did he approach Mary, who 
weeping, poured out oil on his feet and washed his feet with her hair. How did he approach those people? With gentleness, with thoughtfulness, with care. Jesus came to the Jews at a very difficult and pivotal time. There were a lot of bruised reeds among the Jews. There were a lot of faintly burning wicks in their number. And he had to be very careful with them to begin to fan again the flame of their faith, to begin to, as the great physician, heal them and bring them back to health. And he was very thoughtful about that in the way that he lived his life. And the question, as I think about this verse, that I ask is, is do I show people honor? Because throughout Jesus' life, that's exactly what he did. He showed people honor. We live in a culture where you hear, even from our littlest ones, some of the most disrespectful, just hateful language toward people who are in authority. I mean, I'm, I'm married to an educator, so I get to hear it from time to time. If you're an educator, you've probably heard it too. Little ones saying things that, that just should never be said. And, and where do they get it from? Of course they get it from their parents, or they get it from adults or television. And we see people treating each other disrespectfully all the time. But a servant of the Lord is supposed to treat others with honor. Remember, because we love them, we treat people with honor. And we treat people with honor to the point where even the lowly ones, even the marginalized and the poor among us, while the world may look down on them and treat them terribly, what do we do? We give them a cup of cold water. We visit them and take care of them. We provide them with clothing. And as the Samaritan did, provide them a sh with shelter and, and heal them up and, and bring them back to health. We take care of those who've been beaten down. We take care of them. And in taking care of them, what Jesus says in Matthew 25, in that great judgment scene, to the extent that you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. We're honoring people. Not just because we want to help them, but we're honoring people because it's like we're helping our king himself. And that's powerful. When you have an opportunity to show respect and kindness and gentleness to someone, to serve them and help them to see the gospel and help them in their physical needs, of course, we are serving the king in that. And he sees it. And that's important for us to remember every day, because every day we interact with people who don't know the Lord. We interact with people who may not agree with us or may not appreciate us, but we have the opportunity to show them honor. And we should. Paul in Romans chapter 12 talks about brotherly love in verse 10. How we need to have brotherly love. And I love what he says here. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's like, it's like a game. For us, if, if you're a gamesmanship sort of competitive person, and, and in the friendliest of competitions, Christians do this all the time. And if you don't think they do, you ever get a you ever get a thank you card after doing something nice for someone, and then your immediate response is, well, now I need to send them a thank you card for the thank you card, right? And that thank you card spiral just never ends. It's like when is the thank you's gonna stop? And we do this all the time. We're like. Let me look for another way to serve you. Let me look for another way to help you and, and show my gratitude and my honor toward you. We outdo each other in showing honor. 
And that's a fun game to play within the church. And it's, it's important in helping us build each other and support each other. But we also do this in our honor for everyone. Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we honor everyone. We don't just honor those in the church. We honor everyone. And he even says to honor the emperor in that verse, talking about our respect and our honor for others. The emperor who, by the way, was persecuting Christians and throwing them in prison and killing them. Yes, you're supposed to even honor him. So we show honor to people because that's just at the core of what it means to be a servant of the Lord. And look, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect at this. And I have probably more times than I care to admit stuck those big size 12s right in my mouth and done something, said something, acted in a way that I shouldn't have. And when you catch yourself acting disrespectfully to someone, when you catch yourself not showing the proper honor to someone, what you need to do is you need to do exactly like Paul did in Acts 23, and you need to apologize. Remember when he spoke against the high priest, not realizing that it was the high priest, and he got smacked in the mouth for it, and what does he do immediately after that? I should not have said that, because it is not allowed for me to say evil things against the Lord's high priest. And so he backpedaled, he apologized for that. And we need to do the same. Because there will be times where we, where we say something or not act as respectfully as we should. But having that, having that spirit, being willing to honor each other and show each other the kind of respect is what a servant is all about. So maybe the last question. Is my respect for other people reserved only for those as I view worthy? It is easy to love people who love you. It's easy to show honor and respect to those who you think are worthy of your honor and respect. But can you show respect and honor to those who you disagree with? Can you show honor and respect to those who, who hate you? Remember Jesus' words on the cross as they were literally killing him. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Like God told Jonah in Jonah chapter 4, they don't even know their left hand from their right hand. They don't know what they're doing. Understand that, that we need to show respect and honor to everyone. And that is a challenge for us sometimes, but as servants of the Lord, following after the great servant, the suffering servant, we need to adopt that same attitude and that same willingness to show honor to others. So will God call you his servant? Will he look at you at the end of this life as someone who saw the responsibilities of a servant clearly, who humbled himself and got rid of pride out of his life? Will he see you as someone who loved others sacrificially, not just in word, but in action? And will he see you as someone who showed honor to others and lived respectfully with kindness and gentleness throughout your life? As a disciple of Jesus, this has to be us. We have to be this way. And so this is an encouragement for you. If, if, if you need to make some corrections here, then please make them. Because serving the Lord is so worth it. It is so worth it. Because as we started out this lesson with in Isaiah chapter 46, or sorry, chapter 49, the suffering servant in verse 6 as God tells him, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. 
I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Through his servant Jesus, he saved all of us. And if you're ready to give your life to the Lord this morning, if you haven't before, we'll baptize you this morning so you can begin your walk with the Lord in dedication and servanthood to him. If you're ready to do that, please come as we stand and sing.